This is a test. The New World Order is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. If this had been an actual emergency, the signal you just heard would have been followed by the phrase... Ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, this is the Nerd World Order broadcast. I am the man that you call Dukes, and we have with us your boy Joe, Lucas Bishop, and we also have Matt Morosi. You can find Matt on Twitter at FromNJ2CA on Twitter. If I were to describe E3, I would describe it as the Super Bowl of gaming. For the listeners out there who are listening to the Nerd World Order broadcast because they love your boy Joe, but don't know too much about gaming, explain to us exactly what E3 is. E3 is put on by the ESA, which is the Electronic Software Association. In reality, all the people that are there, these these giant corporations, they make up the ESA. So they're there putting out their information to the world to make money. So E3 is like the Super Bowl, I would say, because that's usually where the big announcements are. That's where the hype comes in. So how would you compare E3 to BlizzCon, even though I understand BlizzCon is very specific to Blizzard, but how would you compare the two as far as hype? E3 is definitely the most hyped event of the year by far. If you're, if you're going to BlizzCon, you're going there because you're a Blizzard fan. You're specifically going there to see things that they make like Warcraft or Diablo, something like that. If you're going to E3, you're just trying to get like the oversized view of everything that's happening in the industry. So the, the biggest announcements typically come out of E3, but you are seeing that start to change this year. I mean, like Sony wasn't even at E3 this year, which is one of the biggest stories. Like Sony just didn't show up at all whatsoever, had no kind of press conference. They didn't have any kind of Nintendo Direct style conference. Sony's been putting those out recently. So you're starting to see that change where companies are either not going to E3 or, or like Microsoft, they're doing something outside of E3. So they're, they're technically saying that they are a part of E3, but they don't have a presence on the floor. If you want to go to Microsoft stuff, you have to go across the street to Microsoft's event and see everything over there. So they're they're considering themselves a part of E3, but not in E3. So you're really starting to see that change. And I think over the years, you're going to see E3 come become more like, like PAX West. That's kind of what you're going to see it. But I still think the biggest announcements, at least for the foreseeable future, are going to happen at E3. But I'm going to go get retro on you guys real quick, because you know I love my retro stuff. To me, one of the biggest announcements from E3 was that the TurboGrafx-16 Mini is coming out. This is going to be a mini console developed by Konami, who owns the rights to TurboGrafx. They purchased Hudson Soft, who was the ones who made the TurboGrafx originally. And they'll be making the TurboGrafx-16 Mini for America. Japan's going to get the PC Engine Mini. And Europe is going to get the PC Engine Core Graphics. So that's the appropriate region names for all their consoles as they released but this also announced that uh, there'll be different games per region so in north america they've only announced uh, six titles so far we got r-type new adventure island ninja spirit yeast book one and two dungeon explorer and alien crush hopefully we'll get some of the other games too like castlevania dracula x rondo of blood was a japanese only game they did announce that for the japanese version of the system but not for the north america so hopefully we'll get that I would say that it definitely sounds like something I would be interested in picking up. I'm not really interested in all the games. When I was a kid, didn't have the opportunity to pick up the TurboGrafx-16 and the opportunity to have somewhat of that same gameplay definitely appeals to me. So while I definitely wouldn't be interested in all the games, there are enough games on there to make me want to pick it up, take a look at it, invest a little money in it. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I never bought it then. I probably won't buy it now. Although, nowadays, like, kids like to play these old-school games like that. And so it's like a big, I mean, Targets and Walmarts were selling out of, like, the PS1s and the uh, the Nintendo. So I can see them, you know, TurboGrafx-16 selling something like that, too. Because nowadays, kids don't care about graphics as much as adults does, really, in my opinion. This is something I'll, I'll definitely pick up, especially depending on the lineup of games they have. Uh, some of the TurboGrafx-16 games are some of the most expensive games you can buy. So if they put out a lot of those titles, I'll definitely be picking that up, no doubt. And then uh, we did have some more retro news, too. This happened also later in E3. Arcade 1UP, that's a company who makes, like, these smaller arcade machines. They're, like, three-fourths scale. 
they did like some surprise announcements. They're going to make a Marvel superheroes cabinet, which is going to contain Marvel superheroes, X-Men children of Adam and the Punisher. They'll be releasing a TMNT cabinet, which was going to include the arcade game as well as turtles in time. And the biggest announcement they had was probably there. There's going to be an Atari star Wars arcade cabinet. That's going to contain the Atari games from the eighties. So it's going to have like star Wars empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. And then the, the two ones I thought were kind of minor, they announced a, a head-to-head cocktail table that's going to have 12 different Capcom games, including Street Fighter 2 and Dark Stalkers and Final Fight. Namco head-to-head cocktail table is going to include eight different games. They've only announced Pac-Man, Galaga, and Dig Dug so far. And those cocktail tables are going to be $4.99 each. No word on the price on the Star Wars, TMNT, or Marvel ones. Hell yeah. That's one of those things where your friends come over. Granted, they're not going to play it that much. It's like they might play it for a while, but it's like it's an awesome conversation piece. It's one of those things where you can hang out, maybe watch TV, have it playing in the background, play it against your kids. Yeah, I'm all about that. It's one of those things where it's kind of like a centerpiece, but at the same time, it can kind of be over in the corner. People come in and play it. Yes, that is so awesome. I would love to have one of those. I mean, you can throw kids, you know, if you have kids, you have parties, kids come over, they'll definitely play it. I think it's a good concept. It's not that much, man. Things like that would be over 1000 500 is not that bad at all. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the price of, like, the, the ones I'm mostly interested in would be, like, the, the Atari Star Wars ones. I'm worried about the price of those, though. Like, how much did they have to pay to get those licensed? Like, Nickelodeon owns TMNT, and obviously Disney owns Star Wars, so... What did they have to pay to get those in there? You know, how much more are they going to have to mark them up? So it'll be interesting to see. But the cool thing, too, is the TMNT one is going to be the first one they put out. That's four players. All the other one-up arcade units were always two players. But this one is actually four spots, which could be a little tight because it's three-fourths the scale of a normal-sized cabinet. So you're going to have to kind of squeeze in. But the fact that they got all four players, you know, that that's clutch for TMNT. All right, let's get into, like, the conferences, guys. So the... EA had, like, a really strange conference. It wasn't even considered, like, a conference. They just did something called EA Play. So some of the mainstays that happened there, they they showed off the new Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order trailer. I heard that early impressions from people who played the game said it felt really good. The expectations for the games are looking up. This game is developed by Respawn. If you don't know who Respawn is, they made Apex Legends, Titanfall. So they have a good pedigree behind them. Respawn also showed off for the first time that there was new Apex Legends Season 2 Battle Pass with new content. Apex has kind of been really slow to put things out, at least if you compare it to Fortnite. They announced that you're going to be able to test yourself against the best with Apex Elite. You make it to the top five in any match and you earn your way into a select queue full of other top five winners. So it's sort of like the best of the best challenge. But there is a catch in order to continue playing in the queue you will have to place in the top five. So it's constantly like the top five winners playing each other, which is pretty interesting. Joe has been hyping up Apex for a long time. When Joe talks about Apex, he talks about the downfall of Fortnite. Joe, this is all you, bro, Mr. Apex. Um, I just got a quick question. Was Fortnite a big deal at uh, E3? Fortnite had a huge uh, section. And I think they showed maybe, like, some new content and stuff, but they didn't have, like, a huge, like, press conference or anything like that. So I'm not sure how much stuff that they showed off. Oh, I see. So the huge press concert was Apex pretty much, right? I guess you could say that. I mean, they didn't really – they had a huge area for people to check out the new stuff, I guess. But they really didn't talk about too much other than, like, you know, some stuff will be in the next Battle Pass. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's a a neat idea. Remember Man My Black? Uh, the best of the best of the best of the best. You got to be the best to be in the top five. So I think that's a neat concept. I mean, you got to be good enough to get up to the top five and then win again. So I think that promotes good competition. I think that's going to weed out some whack players and maybe play Fortnite because there's really no strategy other than building stuff. I mean, I guess you could do that with Minecraft, but whatever. Sounds like a great concept. I never got into Apex. I still occasionally jump online and play Fortnite, uh, even though apparently Fortnite, nobody plays Fortnite anymore because they're all playing Apex, based on what I've heard on this podcast before. It does sound like a great concept as far as best of the best. Perhaps they can add yep. Jean-Claude Van Damme into it. He started off in best of the best, if you might yep. remember. Yeah, yep. so they can be like a Jean-Claude Van Damme. He comes in like, yeah, put in a special code, and you can beat Jean-Claude Van Damme. 
Yeah, but you know the Fortnite, the one thing they're good at, they always make kind of skins that everybody wants to play for. Like in Fortnite, you they have seasons where if you do certain things within the season, you'll get certain skins that you can't get once the season is over. So, I mean, that's cool. Like, I think they had John Wick, which is pretty cool. But, I mean, that's the one thing that they're good at. I mean, they put out good content for little kids to keep buying and getting the season pass and trying to get all these different skins. So, I mean, nothing wrong with it. So, so actually, Joe, you just uh, touched on one thing, which I was going to ask both you guys about, because, you know, the only reason I... I'm even interested in Fortnite. It's because my son plays it. And it's just the opportunity for me and him to hang out, watch him play, or, you know, he hands a control over to me and I die in like 15 seconds. Would you consider Apex to be more of the advanced player game, more of the adult player game, and Fortnite to be more geared towards kids at this point? From what I can tell, you know, just by looking at it from an outside point of view, it definitely seems to be that way. There's definitely more kids playing Fortnite. The game is more colorful. It seems to be more geared towards them. Apex definitely seems to be more geared towards like a, a slightly older audience to adult audience. I mean, you look, you've heard, you've both heard of Ninja, right? I mean, he's a yeah. big streamer for Fortnite and he still plays it. So, I mean, it all depends on the streamers, man. If there's, if people on Twitch are playing Fortnite, more on there what do you think kids are going to do kids are going to gravitate to where they want to be just like him and play over there you know what i mean i'm i don't think i've ever seen i don't really watch him on switch but i don't think he's ever played apex but i know he still plays plays fortnite a lot so i mean fortnite i don't think it's going anywhere at all either is apex i think it's just like whatever your cup of tea you know what i mean either you like coke or you like pepsi yeah i think fortnite's still in everybody's minds because they release the bat these battle passes very frequently Apex Legends, this is really the first Battle Pass that I can recall, almost positive. This is the first one they're putting out since the game released back in March, which is a little bit slower than the pace that Fortnite is. But the reason they said that is they don't want to make their employees crunch and do a bunch of overtime and like force them into that position where they have to get these out. When recently there was an article saying that over at Epic, they were forcing their people to basically do tons of overtime in order to meet these deadlines to get these battle passes out to keep people engaged in their game to make money which which makes sense from a corporate point of view but if you're killing your employees that's going to drain them all at some point i give apex credit for pushing that off monetarily in order to make a better situation for the developers of the game the only other thing ea really mentioned was uh fifa 19 is going to have a, a mode called volta football which if you ever played fifa street they're basically adding fifa street into the new fifa series FIFA is the most popular game that EA sells every year. You guys might not play that. A lot of people don't play sports games, but clearly a lot of people do. A lot more casual people do. And that was like a really popular game at the time. They just stopped making it. So for them to bring that back, I think is awesome. Uh, hopefully that'll put some life back into FIFA. Uh, not that it's really been bad, but they added a bunch of loot boxes and things. So this seems like they're doing something good for, for the gamers for once, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just basketball for me. Some football. For sure. You were happy about that Raptors win, right? Uh, that's a big fat negative. <laughs> I'm happy for Kawhi. I'm, ha I'm happy for the country. You know, the real big deal over there. But no, not my squad. I'm happy for Drake. He Drake is Drake is happy for Drake. You don't need to be anymore <laughs> on that one, dude. Dude was running around happy like he scored 40 points. Yeah, it was kind of sad seeing the Warriors lose, but they ain't my team either, so I don't really don't care. Ubisoft's conference they they shoot off Watchdogs Legions, which was interesting. I don't know if you guys got to see a trailer for that at all. Watch Dogs has been around for a while. Like, the first one sold really well, but it was kind of a mediocre game. The second one was a pretty good game from what I heard. I didn't play it myself, but it did not sell as well as the first one. And this one, they're trying to revamp the whole game. The take that they're doing on it is if your character were to die in the game, you kind of make like a crew of these hackers. So you can recruit different people by doing different things for them. And if you rec recruit them into their into your crew, they become part of like your crew. And if your character dies, he's permanently dead. He won't come back. You can start playing as another crew member if he dies. So, and you can recruit all sorts of people. Like the demo they showed off, uh, this guy recruited like grandmothers. So they had like grandmothers fighting <laughs> each other and stuff like that. Really anybody in the world you meet, you can recruit. So you could play as any character in the world, which I thought was awesome. Um, have you guys ever seen anything like that before? I have not. And I was going meh until you said you can recruit grandmothers to play. I'm in, dude. <laughs> I'm in line right now for that. That's going to be sick. 
you down with them hacking grannies, Joe? Dude, that's an interesting idea. I think they there's something with that, dude. Because, you know, like, if they didn't do too well, I'm glad someone stepped in and said, yo, if we do this right, we can have a bunch of grandmamas getting it down. <laughs> Who won't be down with that? Let's do it. I think that's a good idea. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to recruit babies, dogs or something. I mean, I don't think they'll just keep it as just the grandmas you can recruit. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of different things you could do. Sounds interesting. Yeah, it's supposed to be anybody you meet on the street, which I find really interesting. But I, I can't imagine the undertaking that that's going to be to have to motion capture all these different people, to have to capture different voice actors. Like, I wonder how much time and resources that's taking them to do. Like, if, if I recruit 20 people, are two or three of them going to sound the same and be the same person, essentially? Or are they all going to be different? If I recruit 100 people, how many of them are going to be? Like, that's what I want to know. If I go ahead and recruit 100 people and they all sound different, that'll be amazing. Like, that's that's insane. Yeah, I just want to know for – I got a friend of mine that's just kind of curious and wants to know if you are able to recruit Drake. He's I a huge Drake fan. He has not been confirmed in the game at this time as far as I know. Interesting. Okay, well, then I'm not in line uh, for the game anymore. <laughs> but but Drake's grandmother might show up in the game. So if you can get Drake's ah. grandmother, then we might have something going on. I'm back in line. <laughs> All right, some of the other big things they announced was God and Monsters, which looks really cool, but they didn't show a lot of it. So I don't know how the game's going to be, but the artwork looks like The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. The game's coming out, I think, in August or September, which is pretty soon, but they didn't really show much of the game, so I don't even know what that game's about, but it looks interesting. I'll have to look more into that. They also had um, Roller Champions, which is like a roller derby game. Duke said you'd be down on the roller derby. But if I could roller derby in a video game, I may get my roller derby fix, so I never need to roller derby in real life. You know what? That's fair, man. I play, I play a lot of golf games. But I do not play golf in real life, so I'll give you that. Well, maybe if you could roll a derby as a grandma with a bunch of grandmas, <laughs> it might be fun. Next, they showed a bunch of Tom Clancy stuff, which was weird. This, the rest of their press conference was like all Tom Clancy games. They showed off, uh, you know, add-ons for Rainbow Six, which that game's still going on. They did a great job with that, really turned that game around. So they're making more updates for that. There's a brand new Ghost Recon out that's going to star John Bernthal. He's an actor. I have no idea who he is, but he's apparently he's an actor. That's Punisher. <laughs> oh, there you go. And then uh, they also announced Tom's, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, which was kind of like a tease to everybody because they, so, they showed Sam Fisher, who is uh, – he's the main character from Splinter Cell. And everybody thought there was going to be a Splinter Cell this year, and they did not announce Splinter Cell. Instead, they threw him in this Tom Clancy Elite Squad mobile game which had a bunch of Tom Clancy characters in it. Joe mentions pretty frequently is the future of gaming is in mobile. As far as the ac- the accessibility of mobile games, people are just going to play it more, even if it's just for five or ten minutes, because it's like right there in front of them. So whether it's your lunch break or, you know, you're, you're on the city bus or whatever, I think mobile's the future. So... At this point, I just think it makes sense for the Tom Clancy franchises to branch over into that mobile setting because, yes, you're always going to have your gaming console, but if you look at like DLC and uh, upgrades and stuff like that, mobile's where it's at. I can see why they did it. Funny that you said that they they use all their time to promote that Tom Clancy, but it seems like that Watch Dogs Legions might be a hit. If it turns out the way I'm thinking it could be. There's a lot of other shooting games out there. I mean, it's, I mean, you got what Apex, Fortnite, you know, Call of Duty. I mean, it goes on and on. And Tom Clancy's not one of the game shooter games that anyone that I know of that wants to play it. So I think they should focus their energy on something like, you know, Watch Dogs Legion. I think that's a good thing. You know, like out of all the ones that you have mentioned, I think the the Watch Dogs Legion is the one that seems the best. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. I think Watch Dogs Legions is probably the best thing that they showed. But just as a, like a nerdy little fact for you guys, the reason they're so focused on Tom Clancy is they own Tom Clancy. If you see Tom Clancy on anything, they bought Tom Clancy's name when he died. So they own all of Tom Clancy's stuff. If you see something with Tom Clancy on it, Ubisoft gets a piece of that. The interesting thing about the Tom Clancy franchise is when I think of the Clancy franchise, I think it's an aging franchise you know obviously during the late 90s we had the tom clancy movies and you know uh when yeah the 
consoles initially came out, the Clancy games, the Rainbow Six and things of that nature were pretty popular. But I think the Clancy franchises have been eclipsed by like, let's say the Call of Duty franchises or or Fortnite or Apex or stuff like that. So it's interesting that Ubisoft would put their money into creating more Tom Clancy franchise content. And now that you explain it's because they own a piece of that pie, it makes a lot of sense because I was thinking, why put your money in a dying franchise? But now I get it. Why not put it out there because they own so much of a big stake and if they put their money out there, they have to recoup it. I totally agree with that. You can recoup it, but make books. Oh, they're still at. doing books. They have yeah. ghostwriters that are still making books even though Tom Clancy's passed away. That was just right. nuts. That's, that's yeah. crazy to me. I mean, that's where your money at. Obviously, is in the books. Maybe make some more movies, but in the video games, I'm telling you, ain't gonna do no nothing the division two sold pretty well so i think that's doing good for them i think they're just trying to grow the brand more but i think you're right about it being a mobile game i don't know who the audience is for that i mean most of the people who are playing tom clancy games now are the hardcore gamers they're not casual gamers that are playing tom clancy games a lot of kids play video games dude and that's that's where the problem is little kids ain't gonna play a tom clancy game that's just the way it is and i think that's where the problem is that's not a game that you know, young kids are going to, young adults are going to play. They're going to gravitate to the Fortnite. They're going to gravitate to Apex. They're going to gravitate to Call of Duty. When was the last time you seen a dope-ass Tom Clancy gun shooter commercial? That was crickets, by the way, because there hasn't been one. Bethesda's conference, to me, was a lot more interesting. Bethesda has a lot more studios now. They just started doing conferences at E3 over the past, I think this was like their third E3 or fourth E3. So they announced uh, a new game from Arcane Studios who made Dishonored and Dishonored 2. They got a new game called Deathloop, which is like 70s themed. It's like all animated. It looks like a comic book style. The game looks really cool. So if you guys haven't checked out the trailer for that, definitely take a look at Deathloop. They announced Orion or Orion. It's a technology for game streaming. This could be really hit or miss for Bethesda. This is technology that's not actually doing the streaming, but instead it's using software, not hardware. It's optimizing frame rate. It's uh, rendering it by 20%, and then compression rates are by 40%. So it's basically reducing latency, which is huge for any company that's interested in streaming games. I'm wondering how that's going to turn out. Like I said, it could be huge for them, or it could just be a complete failure, but it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Doom Eternal's new trailer... Mother of God. That game looks so good. You guys should definitely take a look at that. Wolfenstein Youngblood's new trailer looks cool. But from uh, the people in the industry that have had the chance to play it at E3, I heard kind of mixed things. So we'll have to see how that one comes out. That'll be out uh, at the end of July, so it's just around the corner. Fallout 76 is getting a major update. for. Uh, it's called a Wastelands expansion. It's going to add human NPCs and storylines. In other words, they're finally making it a Fallout game. That'll be nice because everybody wanted that when the game came out and they didn't get it. Towards the end of the show, they had Ghostwire Tokyo, which is a brand new game from Shin Megami or Shinji Mikami, who developed uh, the original Resident Evil. It looks like it will have horror elements or at least an environmental aspects meant to keep your anxiety up. So it's not quite a horror game. It's kind of focused more on action, but there will be horror elements in the games. I have a question regarding Orion or Orion. Is that going to be a consumer-based product, or is that something that the developers will bake into their uh, cloud-based platforms? Developers. Um, so, like, if you wanted to, like, let's say you are Microsoft and you're using xCloud, that's what Microsoft's going to be using. If they find that this is going to improve xCloud and it's worth the investment, then they'll be leasing that license from Bethesda. They'll be constantly paying Bethesda to use that on xCloud. So if the technology is there, they can make a ton of money. But if ultimately they decide that they can develop it themselves or, you know, it's not worth it, then it's just a waste of their time. So it's, it could be real, one way or the other. Is that really that big of an issue as far as uh, latency that this would be a game changer or even necessary for like, is it something that the average player would notice? A hundred percent. Once games start streaming, like if, if this Google Stadia thing comes out and there's latency and stuff, people are going to not play it. Stadia is 100% on streaming. If there if there's any kind of latency or stuff, if you're having a not good experience through Google Stadia, you don't have an option of downloading a game that's not there. On Xbox, they're going to give you a choice. 
do you want to stream it through xCloud? Do you want to download it through Game Pass? Or do you just want to go buy a disc at the store? So why wouldn't you get the thing that gives you different options than to get the only thing is, is you know, if streaming is the only option and it's not working well for you, you're not going to be satisfied with that purchase whatsoever. So this is extremely important. It, if it doesn't work, like if, if Google City has a ton of latency and they're not using um, Orion or Orion, but if they add that on, it makes a big difference, then they will definitely pay Bethesda to use that technology. Doom Eternal. Is it part of the Doom franchise uh, we played 10 years ago? Is that the same Doom? Oh, yeah. Joe, have you played Doom 2016? Um, I haven't played Doom, dude. Honestly, the last Doom I saw was The Rock, and that movie was trash. Oh, that was a whole other story. <laughs> so Doom came out in 2016. It was to revitalize the series. It was It's the defining shooter of this generation, in my personal opinion. There's not a shooter that feels better than that game. It is absolutely amazing. This game, from the people who've had a chance to play it at E3, have said not only is it as good as uh, Doom 2016 was, it's like Doom on steroids. I cannot wait for this game. They can take all of my money. I'll be happy. Ripping monsters apart in half. Like I'm totally fine with that. I actually bought Doom 2016 based on Matt's recommendations. If Matt says that Doom Eternal is money... I'm going to slap down my 75, 80 bucks for this game. Definitely check out uh, some of the other stuff like Wolfenstein. I don't know if that's going to be any good. Fallout 76, they lost my interest months ago. Have you guys seen Ghostwire Tokyo yet? No, I have not. You should definitely go check out the trailer. That game looks awesome. So if, if you like any kind of games that have like horror elements in it, definitely take a look at that. It looks incredible. But that's probably going to be more like a... I would say that game is probably coming out like 2021. So next up we had uh, Square Enix. Square Enix had a very good press conference this year, and I personally do not care about Square Enix whatsoever other than Tomb Raider. I don't like any of their JRPGs. They, it's just not my cup of tea. I get that they make good games, but I really don't care about them. But they had a really good press conference. They showed off Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was probably the best-looking game at the show. It was either that or Cyberpunk. And I, I couldn't tell you which one was better, but I would probably lean towards Final Fantasy VII. Um, so not only did the remake look stunning, the people there that got to play it said it was a joy to play. Like, it was absolutely amazing. They also announced Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is being remastered for Switch, which was originally a GameCube game. Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers expansion is coming out. And then the surprise announcement for Final Fantasy was that they were redoing Eight. They are going to remaster it completely. Eight was supposed to have their code lost. Uh, and have a whole bunch of issues with like music licensing. So nobody ever expected them to remake it again. Like Everybody thought it was dead and gone, and they announced that it's back. So I thought that was really cool. Have you guys played any Final Fantasy games from the past? I played one Final Fantasy game. It was on the PS2. All I can say about Final Fantasy is a uh, shout-out to CJ Final Fantasy Odell in the Nerd World Order. He is probably the biggest Final Fantasy fan that i know and i'm sure he is going to be buying every version of these remakes of final fantasy you know what i hate about this bro why do you gotta keep remaking the same game hey i'm gonna remake it again and put it in a new cinema make a how about make a new game i'm just tired of all these remakes how many times they're p diddy in all the final fantasy games it's like (laughs) dude Think of something new. Like it's, I don't get too hyped up for the same game with better graphics. It was fun when it was on PS2. It was fun when it was on PS3. Come up with something new. You know what take I mean? That, I'm take like, that. I'm just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, dude, Like, how many times can you make the same game? Sorry, CJ. It's the same game. I've seen it before. I've read the book. Ain't nothing changes. But what I do want to talk about is the, the Marvel Avengers one. I've heard it got a lot of uh, mixed reviews. A lot of people didn't like it. You know, and I don't know why they didn't like it. I, I mean, it looked pretty cool. I don't know if they didn't like the graphics or the way the game's made. Or if they just had the end games where, like, you watch end games, dude, and anything else that comes out Marvel, no one's going to like. Yeah, so the, the Marvel was the way they closed the show. When they showed off Marvel, everybody was really confused. They were like, why? You know, this doesn't look that great. And then, um, again, from what I heard from, like, journalists and stuff that got to go behind closed doors, they actually had a, a demo that the journalists didn't get to play, but, you know, somebody from Square played the game. And 
they said the combat seemed to be a bit better than what they were expecting because the demo, the trailer that they showed to the public had almost no combat whatsoever. And theirs, they actually had combat and said they, they said the combat and stuff looked more fluid. Like it looks like it was going to be okay. But like graphically, I heard a lot of people say it looked like a PS3 game. I can't say that that it really looked that good. I would say look, it looks like an early PS4 game, which is which is crazy. This franchise should have so much money behind it. Isn't this game coming out in 2020? Yes, I don't remember the official release date, but if I had to guess off the top of my head, it was April of 2020. Okay, that's what I thought because you know, I was on social media and I saw an ad that I could sign up now to subscribe to play this game in 2020. To me, it's just one of those things where it feels like they're putting the cart before the horse because the development is not ready and they're trying to build hype over something that wasn't ready to be released to the public. Marvel's not going to turn out garbage, so I think it will be a good game, but I think they just jumped the gun on this one. You know, This is the last E3 before the game comes out if they hit their date. So if they hit April, there's not going to be another E3 before then. So they kind of had to put something out to the public, but they they clearly didn't want to show off the game. That's why they did the rest behind closed doors. Crystal Dynamics originally made like uh, the, the first two Tomb Raider games. I don't think they did the last one. I think that was like outsourced to a, a different studio inside of Square. But Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider were fantastic. So I have a lot of faith in Crystal Dynamics. I don't know what kind of resources they were given to make this game, but I'd imagine if you have a, a, a license like Marvel that you pretty much have unlimited money. So I can't imagine, like, the worst-case scenario, the game is a good game. I'm not saying it's going to be like a 9 or a 10 out of 10, but it's probably going to be more like a 7 or an 8. It's going to be an okay game or a good game. You know, that remains to be seen. I haven't, other than the trailer, I haven't seen it behind closed doors. I haven't had a controller in my hand. I, I agree with you, Dukes. I think it's going to be at least good at the end of the day. Here's the thing, dude. You probably would have had better graphics by the time E3 if you didn't waste all your resources on redoing Final Fantasy VII, redoing Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, redoing Final Fantasy XIV, every damn Final Fantasy game you're renewing, and you put out that trash? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you have more time, but dude, Marvel's going to be in Hall H at the San Diego Comic-Con. You could have waited till then to unveil that. Look what happens to Star Wars and all that. You rush it. They push and they rush, and it doesn't come out good. So, I mean, if they would focus... I mean, Square NX should focus on some new product, and that's a new product. And like you could both said, I don't think Marvel's going to let them put out some dookie like that. But at the end of the day, man, they need to put the resources in different games, not, not remaking the same games. That's just my opinion. I'm done right now, Final Fantasy. If you look at it from a corporation's aspect, those games are literally just printing money. Even if Final Fantasy VII wasn't that great, uh, I heard it was fantastic by the people who played it. Even if, it, let's say, it's not that great, they're still going to sell tons of money. So if you had a machine where you could sell tons of money and just like redo the same thing over and over again, would you not reprint money over and over and over again? Yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, man, so I'm with you. I don't, I don't think they need to redo these games. I, I prefer seeing new IP. The reason they do it at the end of the day is always going to be money. Um, but switching gears, let's talk about studios who have no money. Kind of Funny Games did an E3 showcase featuring all indies. Um, I did watch the entirety of their showcase. They showed 60 games in a very short period of time. Like, it was almost too fast. So I suggest you guys go check it out. I'm not going to get too far into the details or really go any, over any of the games. But definitely watch it. It's pretty short. I think it's like, I, I don't know, maybe like a 45 minutes or an hour. Um, but it shows you 60 different indie games. But some of the trailers were cut too fast. And I know why they're doing that. They're trying to build hype. But showing 15 seconds of a game doesn't really give me a good taste. So I'd rather them had like maybe 30 or 40 games and kept the time length the same so I could really see what these games were about. But there was definitely some cool games in there. So go and check those out. Devolver Digital is they're a smaller publisher. They do a really interesting showcase every year that's super gory. It's like a it's almost like a, a D budget horror movie. It's it's really interesting. It's only about 22 minutes long. Um, they're, they show minor games off, but they showed like this really cool looking game called Fall Guys. Um, it was a ultimate knockout multiplayer game where you have 100 different players. So it kind of reminds you like a battle royale, but you're trying to knock each other out. But then they also have a different mode that's co-op. Um, so you can work together with people. So that game looked interesting. They, they announced an Enter the Gungeon arcade cabinet. 
um, which will be like a, a real, like you go to Dave and Buster's or somewhere that actually still has arcades, they're going to have them there. For me, the best thing from Devolve Digital was the Messenger is going to have free DLC. Picnic Panic is coming out on July 11, 2019. And again, if you guys don't remember, I mentioned the Messenger, I think on our last podcast, but that game is basically like Ninja Gaiden, but current day. And the graphics flip between 8 and 16-bit, depending on what you do. That feature is still going to be in this version as well. And the DLC is completely free. So if you already paid the 15 or 20 bucks for the game, whatever it costs right now, you'll get that DLC for free on July 11th. That was pretty much everything from Devolver Digital. Honestly, like, you know, I'm, I, I bought a new laptop. I'm probably going to start playing Warcraft again, to be honest. And that's just a lot of time, man. My son wants me to start playing with him again. So most likely I'll be playing Warcraft. And then they're, re- they're coming out with, uh, we used to call it Vanilla, which is like the beginning Warcraft. It was like 1 through 60. They're redoing that. So like a lot of old players that used to play it before are going to start playing it again. So most likely that's where I spend most of my time is playing Warcraft again. Okay, this is really important. Ladies and gentlemen and Knights of the Nerd World Order, we all want to know this. Joe, Horde or Alliance? What you got, bro? I'm Horde, bro. Because Horde, honestly, dude, (laughs) Horde, well, back in the day, a lot of more adults would play Horde, and then all the young kids would play Alliance. So therefore, when you have a PvP, the Horde would always win because they had more adults and it was more organized. But in Warcraft, like the Horde has the best races, the best uh, racial traits, which is like, you know, certain characteristics that they have that other characters don't have. And the cinemas were always better. So, ladies and gentlemen and Knights of Nerd World Order, if you want to join the, her- the Horde, you'll be down with your boy Joe, Lucas Bishop. For the Horde. And then hopping back into some old school stuff for just a brief minute, Limited Run Games has an E3 showcase. This is their second year doing it. Um, If you guys don't know who they are, they're a publisher that makes, uh, they basically take a lot of indie games for the most part, and they produce physical copies for indie games that would have otherwise been digital only. So it's pretty cool for collectors. I get some of their stuff, you know, depending on what they put out there. You know, it depends every, every time they put out something new. Um, if I like the game, if I'm interested, I'll definitely give them my money for making a physical copy instead of a digital one. So they, they announced a bunch of whole new stuff coming out. Biggest thing that they announced, though, uh, the only thing I'm going to touch on here, they announced a partnership with Lucasfilm Games, which is going to basically give them access to the entire Star Wars library. For right now, they've only announced mostly older ones. So it's going to include like uh, The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars X-Wing, Star Wars Rebel Assault 1 and 2, TIE Fighter, Dark Forces, Shadow of the Empire, Jedi Knight, Dark Forces 2, Episode 1 Racer, which was like a pod racing game. Game is awesome. You guys should definitely play that one if you haven't. Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, Racer Revenge, which is another podcast or pod <laughs> pod racing game you should definitely check out. And Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, and Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Bounty Hunter is going to be the first one, which I think is either up now or is coming out in like the next week or two. Are you guys interested in any old Star Wars games? No. I'm torn. Um, Bounty Hunter, I don't care about. I think the ones I'm probably most interested in are like the the pod racing ones and um uh the um shadows of the empire which was a nintendo 64 game originally but when i saw the the videos it doesn't look like these are being remastered in any way it's almost just like they're ported over so the graphics still look like they did back in the day which isn't necessarily a problem but i don't know it, they're, they're selling them like individually so if they were to sell these in a bundle with like, you know, if I get the pod racers and I can get those together for like one price, I might be willing to do that. But them selling them at like 30, you know, maybe 40 bucks a pop for for each one. I think I'd rather just go back and get the original version of the game for the console that it was made for than to get these uh, ports that look identical to the way that they do before. I have to say that I enjoy playing the... Uh, Star Wars game for the Xbox Connect. It's uh, probably the only game that you know I really enjoy playing. That being said, bro, it's 2019, not 1999. How are you going to try to sell these games individually at 40 bucks a pop and expect people to dish out their money? Come on, realistically. So, so no, take it, Joe, because because I know you're hyped up on this too, bro. You got Dude. money to spend, but it ain't on this. Yeah, but you know what? Those like both of y'all said earlier. 
they're going to buy it anyways. So if you had the opportunity to put out garbage like that over and over again and people are going to buy it, why not do it? Oh, they're definitely going to do it for sure, man. I, I don't know what they paid for that license, but you're right. They're going to slap Star Wars on anything. It's going to sell, at least in you know 2019. It's definitely going to sell without a doubt. So let me say this. Uh, I'll see you in the clearance rack because at 40 <laughs> bucks a pop, nobody's going to buy it. Uh, to your point, Matt, if you ha- if they would have sold it out of bundle, oh, heck yeah, I'd pick it up so my son could play it because he wasn't around in 1999 to play these games. But in 2019, I'm not paying individually for this. So when it hits the clearance rack and it's like five bucks each and I can stack them up and look like good dad, yeah, then I'll buy it. But other than that, no. Thank you very much, but no, not going to waste my money on that. You print your money, but you print your money at five bucks a pop, then I'll go ahead and, and spend my money on it. The only problem with that is limited run is just that. When they when they release a product, it is literally a limited run of the product. What they do, the way their website works, is uh, they'll announce the game is up to, to pre-order, pre-order now. And let's say, let's just use an example. Sometimes they have limits, like, the first 2,000 people to pay for this game are going to get it. They print only 2,000 copies of the game, and that's it. They know they're going to sell out, especially with a Star Wars license. So limited run is fine. They're going to make their money no matter what. But with a license like Star Wars, it's probably not going to be a cap. It's probably going to be up for a time period like you have until this day, this time, to pre-order the game. And let's say they take 10,000 orders. They'll print 10,000 copies of the game and send them out, but they won't print a single one more than that. They're guaranteed to make money by that by that by doing that business that way so they'll be okay but uh the the main people who are buying those are going to be collectors my my only question is i think limited run if if you know about their history they are getting way bigger than they were made out to be if you were into limited run like a few years ago they were really catering to collectors and now it seems like they're catering to money so i think they're going to be fine money wise i don't think they're going to have a problem selling these things I think they're they're really losing their focus by you know having like an unlimited number of the copies for people. That's not what that's not what collectors were going there for originally. Let me say this: limited run. I understand the way that your website is set up, but the way that my money is set up, <laughs> I'm not wasting my money on your limited run. Dukes, I'm with you, man. I'm probably not interested in these either, unless they put some sort of bundle together for me to pay forty bucks for an old game. I you know if I want to go play Shadows of the Empire in sixty four. That's probably a $10 game that I can pick up on eBay. Why should I pay you $40 for the same damn game just so I can play it on PS4? Yeah, and for sure, dude. And people that spend their money on a limited run, check this out. I got a limited run of garbage in my front patio. You're more than welcome to take it for free. (laughs) I won't even charge you. Some of their stuff is worth getting. Not much. Not much anymore. It's a lot rare that I use their website, but some of their stuff is cool. <laughs> as far as your trash goes, Joe, I don't know what's in there, but I might be interested in some of it. You got any old games sitting around in there? Dude, Joe <laughs> had some old comic books in his garage, bro. So uh, like, don't go there. Yeah, how old are those, hey, uh, hey, bro, if, if you're giving stuff uh, away, bro, you you don't need that, uh, man. It's like trash. You can just give it to me. You know what? It probably is trash. I, I, <laughs> one of the things I didn't do when I was young was listen to Dukes. So next up, guys, we had uh, Xbox a showcase. This was, to me, uh, again, one of the upper upper tiers of the showcases that they had. They talked more about Project Scarlet, which is going to be their next system. Um, it's supposed to... Th- this information I took from directly from news.xbox.com, so it came from their website, so you can take this with you know, whichever way you want. But they said Project Scarlet will set a new bar for console power, speed, and performance arriving in holiday 2020 alongside Halo Infinite. So this will be the first time they've released a Halo game with the console since the original Xbox. Um, it's going to be powered by a custom-designed processor leveraging the latest Zen 2 and Radeon RDNA techno- architecture uh, from their partners at AMD. Uh, Project Scarlet will deliver a new level of immersion paired with high bandwidth GDDR6 memory and a next-generation solid-state drive. Project Scarlet will provide developers the power they require to bring their creative visions to life. It's going to feature hardware accelerating ray tracing, which I found out this is interesting. Ray tracing is not something AMD owns. That's owned by a different chip 
developer, so they're not supposed to call it ray tracing. It's supposed to be called something else, but similar. Uh, variable refresh rates, uh, 8K capabilities, and ultra low latency. With Project Scarlet, we continue our commitment to compatibility by ensuring your gaming accessories. This is this is awesome. So if you have an Xbox One and you have an Xbox controller, your Xbox controller will work on the new Xbox console. You won't need to buy new accessories. That's a win for them for sure. Uh, they said that you're gonna, your career is going to move forward, so they might be rebranding the way that your gamer tag is set up and be labeling it as your gaming career. Uh, my, my assumption is like your achievements uh, and, your, and your stuff like that are going to move along with you, as well as thousands of games across four generations of consoles. In other words, backwards compatible, even more so than it is now, which means it's the same path the Xbox One has been on, which is making more and more of their old titles compatible for the new system, that they're, they're clearly not going to be losing anything. They're only going to be gaining more titles. So that, that was the biggest stuff I took from their conference. I think that's a neat idea. I like how they, continue, they, they created like the gamer tag as a career, like you said. I think that's pretty cool. I like the fact that you're able to play older games on it, keep the old controller, and use it for the new controller. I think that's a neat idea. I think that's one way of getting people to go like, hey, let me go get the new system because I don't really need to get a new controller. All I got to do is get the new system. So I think it's a good idea. Xbox does it again. I've got my 360 sitting right here in front of me. I got my Xbox One sitting in the other room. When you talk about backwards compatibility, you might remember that's the whole reason I bought an Xbox in the first place. Now they're adding backwards compatibility to the accessories. They're adding a sense of backwards compatibility in that uh, you can carry on your gamer career for a longer period of time. Dude, like I know... PS, uh, PlayStation may have better graphics, better play, or anything like that, but this is the reason why I'm going to pick up the Xbox Scarlet, because once again, they appeal to me as a person who enjoys that consistency in the gaming system. I'm on board with this. I, I'm getting this, not right away, because when systems come out, they're too expensive, but I will be picking up a Scarlet. Well played, and when I pick up mine, I'm going to call her Scarlet Johansson. <laughs> in memory of Black Widow. Yeah, they're definitely going to have my money uh, right away, day one. The fact that it's backwards compatible with games from the original Xbox from the early 2000s all the way to now, they can take my money, they can have it. I'm all about that life. The controller backwards compatibility, I'll be interested to see what new controller, you know, what features the new controller has. If it's the same, that I'm totally fine with that. In my opinion, the Xbox One right now has the best controller that's ever been made. So if they keep it exactly the same, I'm totally cool with that. But the biggest thing is my games all coming forward with me is going to be awesome. PlayStation's just said that PS4 games are going to be backwards compatible, so we don't know anything about PS1, PS2, or PS3 games yet. Xbox also announced they're going to buy Double Fine uh, Productions, which if you guys don't know who Double Fine is, they came from LucasArts. It was a bunch of LucasArts people who left the studio. Um, back in the day, and they made Double Fine. Uh, Tim Schafer is the the head of that company, and he's made games like probably best known for like Psychonauts. Um, he's making a new Psychonauts 2 and a game called Rad, which will also be on PS4 because those games were already in development before Microsoft purchased the studio. You know, they made the Monkey Island games back in the day, and they're they're some of the most famous like point and click games. They made Full Throttle, which is another famous game. Have you are you guys familiar with Double Fine at all? Um, only when I didn't pay my ticket. You should definitely at least play one of their games. Psychonauts 1 is available on PS4. Uh, I think it might be on Xbox One also. Um, you should be able to download it for just a few dollars, though. It's definitely worth playing. It's one of the better uh, platformers from the PS2 era. Um, next, they talked about the Project xCloud. That's basically going to be their streaming service. They didn't really talk like full details about it. This is where the memorandum, memorandum of understanding happened between them and Sony. It, it seems like they're a little bit worried about what Stadia could possibly do if, if the streaming service ends up taking it off running. Uh, so they partnered with Sony to develop that technology. Sony's supposed to offer, I think, some sort of hardware to them to help them you know, build the xCloud. And Microsoft is offering the xCloud for Sony to stream their games with. That'll be interesting to see what happens. The next big thing they announced was a new version of the Elite Series 2 controller. It's going to retail on November 4th for $179.99. That sounds expensive, Matt. 
Oh, it is. It's one forty nine ninety nine right now uh, for the first version of the Elite controller, but it's probably the best controller that's ever been made for a console. It's better than the regular Xbox controller because you can completely customize it. You can change out the thumbsticks. You can make them taller. You can make them shorter. Um, you can change the D-pad. The new one, you can actually lock the triggers in place, which was a feature they were missing, I believe, from the original. If you're really into shooters, it's worth getting. If you're like very serious, very competitive... Uh, with shooters in particular, like Fortnite, Apex, that's a controller that you want to have. If you're not that into shooters, I don't think it's really necessary. If you're not really playing on that sort of like very serious level, I think you can get away with their, their basic controller is fantastic. So I would just go with that. Then they went over a bunch of games like Battletoads. That's going to be a brand new game, new graphics. Art looks really good, but they didn't show too much of it. One of the surprises from their conference was Blair Witch. That's from a blubber or bloobers uh, team and they made layers of fear and layers of fear one i heard was pretty good two i heard it was all right bleeding edge is ninja theory's new game ninja theory was purchased by microsoft last year that's going to be a, a multiplayer game but they also announced that they are working on a brand new title that they haven't yet talked about and that's probably going to be for the new xbox uh they showed cyberpunk and this is probably the biggest moment that happened during the uh the entirety of E3 is Keanu Reeves came on stage to uh, announce the release date for the game and that he is going to be a major part in the game. I don't know. Have you guys seen anything on Cyberpunk yet? I have seen numerous pictures of Keanu Reeves going out on stage at E3, multiple pictures of Keanu Reeves in the game. All you can say to that is 2019 is the year of Keanu Reeves. He has gone John Wick. He is now a toy. He has entered the cyberpunk realm. 2019 is the year when Keanu Reeves kicks Chuck Norris's ass. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, Keanu Reeves, you know, he just reinserted himself back into the Matrix of 2019. He just has been winning. I saw the trailer, man. I'm impressed, man. That game looks bad as hell, dude. And then Keanu comes out at the end of the, uh, the, at the, end of the trailer. It looks pretty badass, dude. I would definitely be getting that game because that game looks fun. And it has Keanu Reeves in it. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, the team who made that game made The Witcher 3. They made The Witcher 2. They made The Witcher 1. And they, they've developed a very good pedigree. I don't think The Witcher 1 really what took off too much, but The Witcher 2 got them notoriety, and The Witcher 3 knocked it out of the park. So definitely interested in Cyberpunk 2077. Definitely happy Keanu Reeves is going to be basically your companion through the game. He's, a, he's like a ghost, but he's basically like giving you advice throughout the game, which is which is pretty awesome. I think that's a good way to incorporate him that's not out of place for a game. They announced Elden Ring. Elden Ring is going to be a game uh, developed by From Software. Their most notable games are like Dark Souls and most recently uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Miyazaki is the uh, creator of this new game. He's the one who developed Dark Souls. He's going to be working with George R.R. R. Martin, very little was shown about the game, but it looks very much like a, like a Lord of the Rings high fantasy game. Joe is still bitter about the end of Game of Thrones. Joe, I'm right there with you. No interest for me at all in this game, and I'm not even bitter over Game of Thrones. They didn't show hardly anything of the gameplay, so until I see something more, I don't really care at this point. You gotta show me the goods. You hear that, R.R. Martin? The goods, not like what you messed up with over the end of Game of Thrones. Jesus, God. Yeah, you hear that, Square Enix? No more Final Fantasy games, too. <laughs> hey, what about that? Uh, you have anything on Gears of 5? I remember uh, Gears of 5? Yeah, Gears 5 was shown off. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't show too much of it. There's a new mode called Escape. Uh, they didn't want to show like a full demo, so they just had some sort of like weird trailer playing. But from what I heard, Escape was pretty cool. It was, it was almost like a reverse... Uh, the horde mode that they have, where like waves of enemies attack you, um, you're apparently the attacking, you're you're apparently the horde attacking like uh, specific enemies. So that's an interesting twist on it. But I'm definitely excited for Gears Five. I thought they uh, the new team was called the Coalition when they made Gears Four. It was a, a brand new team to develop Gears of War. I thought they really started taking the series in the right direction again after Judgment. So I'm definitely excited to see what you know they put out next. Halo Infinite was the biggest trailer that came out after that. Oh, I'm sorry. Going back to Gears real quick. They announced Terminator Dark Fate, which you guys will definitely be interested in. If you buy the game day one, basically, or you download it day one through Game Pass, yes, if you have Game Pass, you can play the game right away. 
you get to play Terminator Dark Fate, which does have the official Terminator license. And uh, Sarah Connor, I believe, is going to be in the game as well on the add-on pack. And the Ectoskeleton as well, right? Yes. Yes, that will be there as well. So those are going to be like multiplayer characters for that part of the game. Would you guys buy Gears with or without that? Does it make a difference either way? Uh, Yeah. Would you buy Cyberpunk without Keanu? Yes. Really? (laughs) You're crazy. It's the Witcher, man. They made the Witcher. I got to give him credit. That's very interesting how they did that. I mean, that's like, that's thinking outside the box. I mean, look at Alan. Have you ever bought a Gears game? As a matter of fact, I have not. So to your point, Joe, it's definitely good marketing. Yeah, exactly. Because it made Alan think about like, whoa, Terminator. I mean, that's that's like Alan said, very good marketing. If you're going to get five, Alan, go back and play four because where four story ends, five's going to begin. So if you're going to play for a story part of it, definitely play four first. So I did actually order four, but just so I could get a poster to give to Matt back in the day. <laughs> I have that. That poster is literally hanging on the wall behind me right now. It's, nice. it's right there. <laughs> then they showed off uh, Halo Infinite. There was a new trailer for that. That game looks absolutely awesome. But again, this is going to be a next generation game. So they haven't showed off too many gameplay. It's been like pretty much just cinematic trailers at this point. But I can't wait till they show off gameplay. It'll probably be next year. D three would, would be my guess because that game is going to come out in fall of twenty twenty. Um, Minecraft Dungeons was announced, which is basically like a Zelda game or a Diablo game, but it all looks like Minecraft, uh, which is kind of cool. Ori and the Will of the Wisps was one of the best looking games in the entire show. If you guys never played Ori and the Blind Forest, I would definitely recommend that. It's like a Metroidvania style game. Very unique looking, very interesting game. Uh, in, in my opinion, it's one of the best games on Xbox. So if you have an Xbox, please go back and play that game. I hope this one doesn't get overlooked. Fantasy Star 2 Online was announced. This was huge because this is one of the biggest games uh, in Japan. It's coming to the West for the first time, so America's going to have it. It is coming on Xbox, but it probably is coming to other consoles too. They just didn't announce that at the time since it was Xbox press, Xbox's press conference. Outer Worlds was shown. That's actually how they kicked off their uh, conference. That that actually looks really cool. <clears throat> if you guys are Fallout fans, like in the traditional sense of a Fallout game, this is made by some of the guys who made the first Fallout game. And the people who did get to play it at E3 uh, said it very much feels like a, an old school Fallout game, which is exciting. Uh, another interesting title they showed was like, I think it was from an indie developer. It was called 12 Minutes, and it's on like this this time loop. Every 12 minutes, the game ends and it starts back over. It kind of took place like this, a romantic evening. Uh, it takes a wrong turn when a police detective breaks into your home, accuses your wife of murder, and knocks you out unconscious. In a heartbeat, you are immediately returned to the start of the evening before it all happens again and again. A real-time interactive thriller where you will need to use the knowledge of what has already happened in your past to change the outcome and break the 12-minute loop. So basically, you can you you know you have 12 minutes to to change things every time you play it. You're gonna play that 12 minute loop over and over and over again, and you can interact with the environment in different ways. And you know, like there might be a knife on a table. You can take that knife, and uh, when somebody knocks on the door, you can you can choose to stab that person, or you can hide the knife. You can hide the knife and put it you know in like a like an air conditioning duct or something like that. So you're basically just playing this 12 minute loop over and over until you figure out how to like essentially solve a puzzle. And then the, the next thing they showed was Way Into the Woods. It's a very indie game. A deer and a fawn must embark on a journey through an abandoned world of the unknown to get home. Uh, if you guys like games based on animals that are very like art inspired, definitely check that one out. It looks really cool. But out of, out of uh, all those indie titles, uh, those last two anyways, 12 minutes definitely seem more interesting to me. Dude, 12 minutes sounds freaking awesome. Like, that's just such an interesting concept. Figure out the puzzle, do stuff differently. You know, on the other hand, uh, Way to the Woods. I remember downloading a game where you could play as rabbits. It was on my handheld phone. Man, there is no interest. After playing that game, where I was bored being a rabbit, hopping around for hours on end, I have no interest in Way to the Woods. <laughs> you only downloaded it because it had rabbits, dude. That's funny. 
Uh, no matter how bad the game is. It has rabbits, though. Hey, dude, seriously, though, the, <laughs> the 12 minutes, man, that sounds freaking badass, dude. Like, to redo something in 12 minutes and it's a loop, that's awesome. That's a good concept. I like that. Fantasy Star 2, man. For people that don't know, man, you had Sega and you had Nintendo. Nintendo had the Final Fantasy series and Sega had the Fantasy Star. Fantasy Star didn't do as well as Final Fantasy. Fantasy Star 2 I thought was okay. I enjoyed the first one a lot better because it was, like, really good. But apparently the second one sold more. So I'd be interested if it came out with the first one. I wasn't too much of a fan of the second one. And I understand why they stopped, I think, at 4. And Final Fantasy went to, like, 13, even though they remake 13 over and over again. Yeah, I've never played a Fantasy Star game, but that should be huge when it comes over here. I'm sure that's going to get, you know, definitely a lot of people into it. Did you guys have a chance to check out the uh, the Nintendo Direct from this past E3? They had probably the best conference, in my opinion. Yeah, Xbox was really strong, but I thought they did an excellent job. They showed off Dragon Quest Heroes, or Dragon Quest The Hero, is going to be the new Smash DLC character. So for those of you guys playing Smash, that was huge. Witcher 3 is coming to the Switch. So again, earlier I mentioned that game was awesome. That's coming out now for the Switch, so you'll be able to pick that up soon. Next, they showed off No More Heroes 3, which was a great Wii game. They made No More Heroes 1 and 2 on the Wii. In 2019, they put out some weird, like, top-down view No More Heroes game, and it was not good at all. And this one's going to be more like a traditional one, so I'm excited for that. Animal Crossing New Horizons got delayed, uh, which was unfortunate for me. I'm really looking forward to Animal Crossing. I played most of the other ones. They're fantastic, except for the mobile one. The mobile one sucks, like most mobile games do. Does it have rabbits? Joe, come on. I was waiting to ask that, dude. There's a lot of animals in there. I'm sure there's probably one rabbit, but none that I can think of off the top of my head. (laughs) Dude, you might be down on Animal Crossing coming out in March 2020. Banjo-Kazooie was uh, an announcement for Smash DLC. Uh, If you watch the trailer, they showed, like, they basically teased you at first. They showed you... um, the dog from Duck Hunt with a duck on his back making, you know, they showed you like the shadow of that. So you thought it was Banjo-Kazooie, but then they showed you it was the Duck Hunt character. And then like you saw like a, a Jiggy, which is a puzzle piece from Banjo-Kazooie, like get broken through a window. And then like you knew Banjo was coming after that. So like it just built up the hype. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie, if you guys don't know, is a, is a rare character. Microsoft owns Rare now. So Microsoft had to partner with Nintendo to make that happen they had to agree to give that character to nintendo to use in their game which just shows that relationship that they're building is is that to me that's more important than banjo being in the game that they're working so closely together now that microsoft is literally giving them characters they own to use in their own games um are you guys excited about you know rare potentially having their games be back on the nintendo system in the future because that that's the way i see it that's a possibility that's pretty cool. One of the things that you've talked about before, Matt, is that relationship that continues to grow. And I think it's a win for the gamers, just having more variety and more content and more cross-platform play that we would have never been able to have before. Yeah, I think this is good for everybody. The gamers are going to win at the end of the day. And uh, I think Microsoft is is doing a lot of really smart moves. Like, even though Banjo-Kazooie is their, their property now, they know that the reason Banjo-Kazooie is big is because it was on Nintendo. So why not let them use your property? So now the next time a Banjo-Kazooie game comes out, you know, maybe you're thinking, oh, oh I, w- I would like those characters from Smash. Maybe I'll get an Xbox so I can play the new Banjo-Kazooie game. Or if Game Pass ends up coming to Switch, maybe you'll download Game Pass so you can play the new Banjo-Kazooie game. And if, either way, it doesn't matter to Microsoft. You're giving them your money whether you play it through Game Pass on a Switch or whether you actually, you know, buy an Xbox. And then the, the last big announcement they had was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is in development. This was my favorite Switch game by far. This one looks a lot darker. It reminds me of a lot of, like, Majora's Mask going from Ocarina of Time, if you guys have played that game before. Some people said they thought the game was going to come out, like, you know, five years from now. I don't think that's true. I think this game could come out as early as the beginning of 2021 because if if you guys remember breath of the wild was being developed on the wii u like a year before the switch came out that game was probably already ready to release on the wii u but they held it back 
specifically to launch the game simultaneously with the Wii U and the Switch. So I think this game has been in development since 2017. You said Zelda, right? Yes. That's where you lost me. Oh, Dukes. <laughs> Dude, that's such a classic, man. I know it's not Rabbits, but it's a classic. <laughs> we'll get him Ray- Rayman Raving Rabbits. Me and you will play some <laughs> Zelda, Joe. Right. for all the zelda fans i think that it's cool that this franchise keeps going and you know obviously they're adding on to it making it more exciting and developing it yeah zelda for me zelda ocarina of time is my favorite game of all time you're gonna give me more zelda i'm all about that hey do you guys remember the zelda rap from that one nintendo game with the zelda rap no no, I don't remember that. Okay, fine. Fine. I mean, like, that's what I remember about Zelda was the Zelda rap from that commercial from, it was like N64 or maybe even the NES or the Super NES or something like that. But yeah. You can edit it and put it in to prove your point. <laughs> <laughs> I may do that. It's the legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octoroks, Tech Tech's Libras, too. But with your help, our hero pulls through. Yeah, go Link, yeah, get Zelda. Awesome. Intense. Booyaka, booyaka, shaka. No, it's playing. But that was about all the big news I had from E3 for you guys. This has been a very filled episode of the Nerd World Order broadcast, and... When it comes to gaming content and bringing you up to speed on gaming, Matt is clearly the master of that, you know. So thank you, Matt, once again for bringing everybody up to speed. Appreciate your time, Matty. You have a lot of knowledge that you can bring to our viewers to understand different systems, platforms, graphics, etc. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you both for having me on. Well, appreciate your time, Matt. Uh, how can uh, someone find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook. It's just Matthew Morosi. You can find me on Twitter at from the number two NJ2CA. And Joe, how can people connect with the Nerd World Order? Type in I am NWO on Facebook or any platform like social media like Instagram. Find us on Twitter. Any hashtag I am NWO, you can find us that way as well. If you would like to help out the Nerd World Order broadcast, a couple of things you can do. First and foremost, give us a like on iTunes. Give us a like on Stitcher. We're looking for as many stars as possible on whatever platform that you use. iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. If you want to rep the Nerd World Order, if you're a member of the Nerd World Order community, check out www.imnwo.com. You can pick up some stickers. You can pick up some hats. You can pick up some keychains. You can pick up some t-shirts. Until next time, ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, I am NWO. We are NWO. And let your nerd flag fly. Booyah. Hadouken! Hadouken!